<laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's going on, everybody? Chiefs uh, beat writer Therese Paler back here for our Sports Beat KC Chiefs podcast. I've uh, been gone for a minute, but I'm back in the middle of it now. Been a long three weeks, man. Went from uh, Charlotte, the NFC Championship game, to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, to uh, the Super Bowl in San Francisco, where I was there for about a week and a half. So I missed you on the podcast. I missed the podcast week. I wasn't happy about it. So I made sure I came back with something strong for this week. Um, I think you guys are going to like it. This is going to be a podcast, another solo podcast, because you guys really like seem to like the one I did, uh, my last one, which is focusing on Ford and D. Ford and Eric Fisher talking to Chuck Smith and Lewis Riddick. So I'm going to keep doing that for a little bit and see if you guys are digging it. Keep digging that. Uh, but, yeah, this one, this one is uh, about Marcus Peters, the reigning 2015 NFL Defensive Player of the Year. The cool thing about the Super Bowl is that, you know, if you're a reporter, one of the best reasons to go is that, man, a lot of people are there. A lot of people are there. Uh, yeah, uh, former players, Hall of Famers, all that kind of stuff. These are really smart people that you can, in the game of football, and you can really get their opinion about guys. So when I got there, like, I really wanted to make sure I could find out, okay, what what do these guys really think of Marcus Peters? You know, what, what do they really say about Marcus? And... Uh, my story's on the website now. Go to KansasCity.com. But basically, a bunch of Hall of Famers just told me, like, there's still room for improvement with Marcus Peters. As good as he is, and Peters is great. He had a great rookie season, eight interceptions, tied for league high, led the league with 26 passes defensed. Te- uh, uh, teams kept attacking him, and he kept showing up, rising to the equation. And there's something to be said for that. Um, but, you know, when Deion Sanders says, hey, there's room for improvement here, or Eric Davis says, hey, there's room for improvement here, it probably makes sense to listen. And it was good talking to these guys, you know, Chris Carter, Michael Irvin, Bill Poland. you all talked about Marcus Peters. And, you know, it's good talking to them just because, like, they're not associated with the team. And a lot of times you find sometimes you talk with the team or people associated with the team, they don't give you some of the bad stuff too. But the nice thing about these guys is that they've got the cachet where their opinion matters, but – you know, they're going to give it to you uh, uncut, so to speak. And that's what this podcast is about. And I know Peters is a lot of people's, one of uh, their favorite Chiefs, certainly a tremendous rookie season. And I thought that all of those guys had fair and reasonable takes about the season Marcus Peters just had. And, again, my story's on the website about it. I encourage you to check it out. Charles Woodson spoke. All the guys I just mentioned spoke about it. But I figured it also makes sense to hit this from a multitude of ways. Um, I shot the video of Peters as well, but, you know, I figured, hey, why not break out a podcast? You know, Marcus Peters-centric podcast for you guys. So you can really see um, where this guy has left to go. So let's play some of these uh, interviews I've done about Marcus Peters. And I'll I'll break in on a few, you know, just to give you an idea. You know, if I have something to interject, I'll break in on a few. But these are pretty good, man. I hope you guys enjoy it. And, again, you know, Please uh, please let me know if you like this format going forward, okay? All right, first one, I think we're going we're gonna to break out Emmanuel Sanders because Sanders, everybody knows, was almost a chief a few years ago <laughs> before the Broncos came in and swiped him in free agency. But 
he he gave a really honest assessment of what kind of player Marcus Peters is. Remember, Peters had two picks against the Broncos this year too. So, all right. Without further ado, the first interview this is Emmanuel Sanders on Marcus Peters. Check it out. I want to see. You said he should. Like, what you think of this cat, man? Man, he a bad boy, man. He a bad boy. Uh, you know, I faced him twice this year, and man, this dude, this dude is one of the, one of the best corners I faced. You know? Uh, really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he has he has his negatives and positives. Um, as, as, as much as he make those plays, he's get those interceptions, he can also, he, he's subject to get beat on double moves because he's so aggressive. But that aggressiveness uh, is the reason why he's the player that he is because he's going to sit on your routes. He's not going to get out of there. Uh, you, you can take him deep for sure, but he's, he's playing the game the right way because if, you, if, if a quarterback and wide receiver is throwing the ball down the field, that's a, a low percentage throw. Um, and so he's just playing the odds. He's playing the numbers. He's like a Mayweather. He's a calculator. And, uh, it's working for him. Now, that's pretty high praise because whenever you say somebody's like a Mayweather with their on-field technique or skill, that's pretty high praise. And some of you might have heard me go like, for real? When he was like, uh, he's one of the best corners I've faced this year. Yeah, that's a journalistic technique, man. Um, sometimes if you say things like, like that way, you can get the subject to expand upon it a little more, a little easier. Um, and that's what happened. I'm glad I'm glad Emmanuel kind of went into depth on what he thought about the kind of player Marcus is. And uh, the reason I played that first, you know, ahead of Dion, who's I'm about to play next, is because I thought Emmanuel did a really good job explaining just exactly why, um, you know, there's the, you know Peters isn't the perfect player, even though he's a really, really good one. Um, and I think it's interesting hearing Dion too, talk about Marcus. So, you know, just transitioning into what Dion Sanders, I mean, you know who Dion is. Here's what he thought about Marcus Peters as well. Check it out. He, he played great. He still has a long way to go, but he played great. Because I check on him not only on the field, I check on him um, beyond the field. Um, his defensive back coach, as well as Al Harris has really contributed a lot. So you got to understand who those two persons are that's coaching him. If he just continues to listen to those two gentlemen that the Kansas City Chiefs have placed in his path, he would have a bright future. When you say he's got a long way to go, do you mean in the sense like on the field? Well, well, well the, next, the next stage is, is expectation. See, when you do something and people don't expect it, you, you, they say you're nice. But see, now you expect something. Okay? See, now you expect something, and that's a whole different case. Not only do you expect something, you're saying, okay, well, the next maturation level is go take that dog on the other team. Are you ready for that? Because that's every play, playing against the best. And when they, you play against the best, that ball is coming at least six to eight times a game. And he's good for a reason. So the, the maturity of that is, is to be seen. Dion is there you go. Um, pretty interesting stuff there. He's basically just like straight up. He's just like, hey, you know, he just needs to keep listening to these guys. And coachability was a was a question mark for Marcus Peters heading into the draft last year. Dismissed from his team last year in 2014 in Washington. It was one of the things that helped him fall to the number 18 pick in the draft, to be honest, because this was a guy that ball skills, everything was there. You just wondered if he'd accept coaching. And I think it's interesting that Dion mentioned that's something that he still needs to keep doing. Um, I, I went back. I thought it, it was such an interesting statement. He said I actually went back to him a little bit later, find out a little more about you know just his opinion on how he evaluates corners. And 
he he basically said Peters has the major trait he's looking for in the corner, which is confidence. But he, he did bring up the coachability thing again, too. So check it out. Most important traits you're looking for in these guys? Confidence. Confidence. And the ability to forget. Is there an easy way to tell that when you're looking at the tape? Not within the scheme. I mean, you have to watch that over a period of time. You have to really gauge that over a period of time. In your dealings with Peters, do you think he's got that? Have you heard that? Do you think he at least has that confidence? I think he has tremendous confidence. But as a maturation process as well that he has to make. you got to understand, Al Harris is a good friend of mine. We talk often. Enough said. <laughs> Thank you. Sure you watch. Pretty strong stuff from Dion, man. He... Made it clear, hey, he has regular contact with Al Harris. He gets updates on Marcus Peters, man. He he knows what's going on with that kid, and he likes his game. But it's important for Peters, especially going forward, to continue to 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 listen to his coaches and like you know do the things that Dion's saying. And I thought I thought uh, Eric Davis, who's a NFL Network analyst, former Pro Bowler, former All Pro, played corner as well, like Dion. He has some pretty good takes about like what Marcus Peters is as well, and he didn't he didn't hold off at all. Um, check this out though. This is Eric Davis on Marcus Peters and what he needs to do to, going forward here. Cornerback Roger. What Craig's. was your impression of Marcus Peters as a former cornerback this year? Uh, talented kid, talented little knucklehead. That um, that he will he's getting better. He's growing. He. Um, doesn't realize how good he can be once he actually learns. Right now, he's playing on raw talent, and you see what he was able to do. Once he actually learns the game, once he actually learns how to see the matrix, there's no telling what he's capable of doing. But he's just a little knucklehead. I, I told him that yesterday, too. I can't, I can't even tell you how many times I've told him that stop looking at the quarterback. He, he wants to look at the quarterback. He's telling me, he ain't throwing to you. Why you keep looking at him? <laughs> You're talking about living in the backfield. Right? Yes. Why, why would that get you in trouble if you if you do that too much? Well, it's really it's a really simple thing. If the quarterback is looking at you, looking at him while he's looking at you, guess what? He's not throwing to you. Again, you're not on my team. I'm not throwing you the ball. You saw what Brady did to him in the game. Brady looked right at him, moved his shoulders in that playoff game, and he bit like you know hook all in his mouth. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? We talked about that. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I, he was looking right at me. Do you really think Brady's that dumb? <laughs> okay, so that that's the thing. So once he learns the game, we'll be fine. <laughs> Eric's a funny guy, man. Uh, good, no more, more good stuff from him. I, you know, the, here's the tricky part about that, and I, I want to make sure that we all understand this part. He is right. Marcus Peters looks into the backfield. He's looking at the quarterback. But to be fair, that's how he makes his plays. He's a smart player. He understands route concepts. And he looks at the quarterback, and he makes plays on the ball by taking educated guesses. Now, that gets you beat sometimes. And he got beat a few times this year. But I don't think he's going to change his style. Like, you know, I mean, you can you can criticize, you know, his tendency to look at the quarterback. But – I don't know if he's going to change his style, and I don't know if he should. I do think it's important to remember that, like, if next year, if if he gets beat a few times and, you know, there aren't as many big plays early early on, I do think it's important to remember that, hey, he don't change who he is because what he is is a playmaker. 
and you can't you can't take that away from him. And even, I mean, your Hall of Famer can see that too. I mean, here's Chris Carter. Chris Carter's a Hall of Famer. I thought it was interesting that the receivers I talked to about Peters, um, Michael Irvin Carter, liked the tenacity he played with. Um, check check out Chris Carter's thoughts on Marcus Peters. Peters this year. What did you see from the kid? Um, Marcus Peters is a great player. He really responded to a lot of individual challenges, playing a lot of man-to-man. Um, Kansas City did a great job of getting him to do things that he did well in college. But also from a maturity standpoint, you know, a lot of marks with him coming into the league. You could see the way he handled it, handled the responsibility, and also handled the success. Um, and I know some guys that, that play there on the team, so they provided some great leadership, you know, for him from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, plan B, alongside Eric Berry, it doesn't help, you know, as a young person to give you perspective on what he went through. And Andy Reid, I think he's one of the best coaches in the league as far as developing young players, um, getting them a plan, uh, not only as far as on the field, but off the field. Have you heard good things about his maturity? And um, I've, heard good, I've, heard, I've heard good things about him, you know, so and you, I think it reflects the way he's playing on the field. The good stuff there from Chris Carter. He knows who Marcus Peters is. Um, and he's got people on the team talking to him too, so – just an interesting guy. I mean, I, a lot of times, man, I feel like we can't talk enough about this guy. <laughs> he had one of the more remarkable rookie seasons any of us have ever seen. He was so much fun to watch. A true playmaker. I mean, I wrote in my story about him that includes a lot of these interviews that dropped in Tuesday's Star. You check that out online. But, like, I wrote this, and I hope people understand that this is how praise comes from me. I said, you know, he played kind of with the – splash of playmaking flair that you really don't see very often consistently from corners. And you really didn't see anyone do it consistently other than Dion. But there were times this year where, like, Peters really kind of had some of that in him. And that's a special, special, special trait. <laughs> like, don't underestimate how unique that is. That is a special thing. Um, and – these guys like confident players like that, too. Like, Michael Irvin was about as confident as it could get. Michael Irvin, A, loved football, no matter what you said about him off the field. He was a good teammate, and he loved football. Irvin um, loves Marcus Peters, and, like, and I, 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 I know why, because, like, I feel like Ir Marcus plays with so much confidence that Irvin probably feels like this is a guy that could have played on them Cowboy teams. Because, like, Marcus doesn't lose confidence when he gets beat. Like, he doesn't care. He's got a really short memory. That's impressive because that's not always the case. Anyway, here's here's Michael Irvin on Marcus Peters. Michael, what impressed you about Marcus Peters this year? Oh, man, the, the corner man, he did a great job. He did a great job. And I, I Isn't it funny, too? I just think Andy Reid is such – he's one of the best coaches we have in this league. Andy Reid is my team. He's one of the best corner, best coaches we have in this league. Um, and to watch a young Marcus Peters, man, develop into the corner he's developing in, you know, you're, you're starting to see the guys separate who's going to be that next crop of top corners in this league, you know, as the Darrell Reeves start getting a little older. You're seeing the Josh Norman and the Marcus Peters and all of those guys. Now, hey, that's high praise, man. The playmaker, Michael Irvin. Put Peters in the same class with Josh Norman, dude. Like, Norman's about to get a big deal. And, like, Norman's 28 years old, man. Like, I think Marcus Peters is what, like, 23? 
He's just a kid still. <laughs> like, and they got him under contract for four more years, too, because I'm sure they'll exercise the option. Uh, man, high praise there from the playmaker. But, but let's continue. Starting to step up and saying, the time is my time, and my time is now. I, I, I love the kid. I love his tenacity. I, I love how hard he plays. I love, his, I, I love his intelligence about the game. He, he's going to be a good one for a long time. Now, let's, let's, let's and I'm not done. We're going to finish that in a minute, but anyone who watched Marcus Peters knows <laughs> he's a lot of fun to watch because, you know, being around him for, what, six months, I guess, during the season, that man loves football. And I talked to his teammates privately, too. They said the same thing. Marcus Peters loves football now. And that's a key thing. Like, that's important. Y'all, you guys, you've been following me a long time. You know what I'm about. I'll tell you, if a guy don't love football, there's no chance, you know. Yeah, there might be a chance. Sometimes they can be so gifted it doesn't matter. But that's rare, you know. Whatever limitations Marcus has, you know, his passion for the game uh, is going to carry him a long way. And it has carried a long way. It's going to be really interesting to see what he looks like in year two. But, yeah, so, I mean, you guys just heard the playmaker. It was great stuff. Um, good stuff about him um, from Michael Irvin. But I'm, I'm kind of curious. You can't, like – talk about Marcus Peters without talking to Marcus Peters, <laughs> right? So you can't really talk about him without talking to him. And guess what? I did. And a lot of this is stuff that I didn't use in my story. So I want you guys to check this out. Um, this is me talking to Marcus Peters about, you know, some of the constructive criticism I told him, um, Dion and Eric gave him. And this was after he won the NFL Defensive Player of the Year Award, um, Defensive Rookie of the Year Award. The day before the Super Bowl, I caught him in the hallway, and he was great. Uh, he was happy. He was looking dapper. He was uh, confident. Um, he, I know he was looking forward to getting out of there so he could go back across the bridge to Oakland, celebrate with his family, and I get that. Um, but here's Marcus Peters, man. Again, I'll, I'll break in and out when I need to, but here we go. This is Marcus Peters. I know how much Oakland means to you. I get it. Could you have drawn this up any better to win this just across the bay? Hell no. <laughs> I should have. Uh, it's a whole lot that I should have did, you know. But, you know, like I say, man, it, it, don't, it don't feel the same, you know, that we're not playing in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. No. It would have been... It would have been electrifying to be able to to, to, to bring bring the bring the Chiefs back to Super Bowl 50. You know, uh, it fell up short, man. You know, we as I as I go through this week, I just look and, and I just feel the atmosphere, you know, because we we, we gonna be there soon, and 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 we gonna be here a lot. And for for us and myself, you know, my family's been with me throughout this whole process, and. And we've been enjoying this week together. Is this, uh, that was just a really nice thing, just real quick. That was a nice thing to hear him say because, I mean, there are all these questions about his character and stuff heading into the draft last year. and You know, you talk to people around him, they'll tell you, you know, he had a, he had a child, um, I, I think, before the draft, and I think that really helped him mature a little bit and really put things in perspective, that and being kicked off the team in Washington. So, um you know, I, he's definitely a grateful guy for what happened, but he was also confident. Like, you could tell he thought he deserved the award, and he did. He was right. So, here we go. Here's the rest. I know you got a lot more you want to accomplish in your career. I know mm -hmm. you want to play in the Super Bowl. But, like, is this like a – for you, does this feel like some – not justification, but, like, not, validation? Not at no? all. No? Nothing? Not at all. Okay. I still got a whole lot of proof. It's only year one. <laughs> it's only year one, man. And 
and I'm and I'm all I'm gonna do is just to continue to stack up brick and, and like EB said, man, just live my dreams out, man. We only get to do it one time. Did you know it was? If you're a Chiefs fan, you gotta like hearing that. <laughs> that here's this guy who just had a pretty historically great rookie season. I went back and cranked the numbers. I think since 1980, only two other corners have had more interceptions as a rookie than Marcus did. I was Everson Walls in the 80s and Anthony Henry for the Browns, um, I think in 2001. So uh, I actually believed him when he said that, too. That guy just wants to win, man. That dude loves football, loves winning. And I think he knows that there's areas in his game he can clean up. Uh, all those guys that you just heard, and these were heavyweight guys, you know, kind of went over those. But he knows that there's room to improve, and I think he does want to improve. So uh, let's let's continue. It's coming. You know you're going to win this. Oh, hands down, man. <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's just me understanding myself and, and, and how to believe in, in what I put out there on the field, and, and that is the best, you know. I, I think the thing people are going to want from you now is like, all right, What's the next step for you? Like, and you know, what, what, what's year two for Marcus Peters going? Like, are you going to follow receivers? Like, what? Year what, two. What's for, the next thing for you, bro? It's, it, year two for me is whatever the, the Chiefs organization wants me to do. Okay. Um, and and that's if, if I got to follow, I got to follow. I don't got a problem with long as we, long as I'm doing, doing, doing something that can help the team win. It's all good with me. As you can tell, Marcus is a very confident individual, and like I know a lot of people say, oh, I like my athletes humble and. I think I think he is, you know, to a point. But like, you better be confident. You better be a confident son of a gun if you're gonna be out there on that island against some of these athletes. You know, I think he, he walks that line pretty good. Um, so like, just understand like he plays a position where you better have that attitude. That yeah, I deserved rookie of the year, and yeah, I'm the best thing going in my position. So let's continue. Have you started thinking about your goals for next year personally? Because, like, now people, like, expect this kind of crazy year from you. You know what I, I'm saying? The expectations go the up. Goals that people, Brian was talking about that. Yeah, the goals that people put 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 amongst me, um, they don't even get close to the goals that I put amongst myself. So I don't care. You know, it's going. year one is going to be different from, from year two. Mm-hmm. Year two is going to be different from year three. And all we can do is is, is is take what we take the opportunities that we have and capitalize on. I was uh, talking to Eric Davis a few days ago, mm-hmm. and he said that he busted his chops a little bit, mm-hmm. with his knucklehead or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, for you that's good though. That's a little constructive criticism. You can take that. That's Just, something that you need, man. Because if you always getting praised, then how you getting better? Exactly. That's a great quote, man. Again, like if you're on the fence about Marcus Peters and you, you know, and I, I doubt many of you are, but like if you were worried about the character, if you were worried about the kind of person he is, like that came from a genuine pace. And that dude, that's a genuine dude now. He is all about being who he is. And if you don't like him, that's fine too. But I've never seen him not be who he is. And I, I'm probably doing a bad job explaining what that means. But like just even in the locker room and stuff, you can tell there's no facade, you know. It's like you take him or leave him. And he's he's told me that before. Like his parents raised him to be that way. And I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. How you how how are you you taking that extra step that, that you that you were taking at first to, to, to make sure that you was great and make sure that you, you was on your P's and Q's and, and, and dodged your I's across the T's. So it's a whole lot more that goes into to, to, to expectation, man. And for me, my sure. expectations are high.
For sure. So that's all I can say. Eric mentioned that he was giving you grief for looking at the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how you make your plays, though, right? I mean. And, and all I told him, I said, if they, they try me if they want to, man. That's it. Just try me. If you don't believe it, just try me, and then we can have we can we can see who who had really had fun that day. <laughs> just one quick thing. What what are you- that was? Uh, <laughs> he wasn't kidding. Like no one was targeted more this year than Marcus Peters, and you can argue few cornerbacks actually made more plays. Some guys might have played better in the sense that they didn't allow as many catches, but no one. I mean, very few of them made more plays than that guy. What are you going to do this offseason to get better? What can you do this offseason? Like film? Like, what, what are you doing? The same thing that got me here, and, you know, is to continue to, to, to work hard and, and believe in the preparation. I, you know, sacrifice the times that, 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 you, that I can go out with all this free time that I got, you know, and trust that it's going to pay off in the long run. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to provide for, 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 for my family for multiple generations, and, and for me to do that, i got to sacrifice the time right now. Very good, inter- very, very, very good stuff from Marcus Peters. And I, 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 the reason I'm, I'm putting these things together for you guys, a, because I want to keep the podcast going so I can get the whole A team here together again, uh, which probably won't be for a while. But b, like I think it's interesting for you guys to like legitimately hear from your athletes, right? Like when I when I write this stuff in print, like I want you guys to be able to like hear it when you see the quotes and just like know. You know, when I'm putting these stories together, I'm doing it, being able to talk to these guys and get a sense for who they are and making sure I'm putting the right spirit behind these stories. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm trying to really get a sense of the person and where they're coming from so I can have accurate stuff that helps you helps you guys better relate to the player. And I, I thought it was really I thought it was important for you guys to hear all these interviews I just did about Marcus Peters. Um because I hope I hope you could learn a little bit about how he's perceived around the league. He just had a historically great rookie season for for the Chiefs. And if you're a Chiefs fan, and of course I'm unbiased, you know that's part of my job. But like if I grew up in Kansas City and if I were a Chiefs fan, like that guy would have been a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> like he's it's hard not it was hard not to enjoy the Marcus Peters experience this year, even for a beat writer. Like what happened in Oakland this year. Like that up and down game for him. I've never seen anybody that jacked up to play anywhere ever. And when he mentioned that it would have been electric going to the Super Bowl, he's right. Because the only thing I think that would have been bigger for Marcus Peters than playing at the Oakland Coliseum in front of his friends and family for the first time would have been playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, just the ceiling is off for – I mean, there there is no ceiling for whatever – kind of emotions he'd show. I mean, it would have been crazy. And, you know, that's actually good to see. Like, if you like seeing your athletes be people and not just like <laughs> not just like robots, because uh, teams really do try to limit, you know, what they say. And some of that makes sense, too. You don't want – they don't want their guys saying dumb stuff. But, you know, sometimes, like, that can really limit your, your players connecting with a fan base when they all sound like robots. The thing I think we all – the guys on the beat, we all appreciate about Marcus is that – Marcus Peters is not a robot, and he's not going to be anybody's robot. Um, you know, he'll say the right things when he needs to, but that dude is always going to be himself and genuine and tell you the truth in the sense of, you know, uh, about the things he can tell you the truth about. I think he'll do it. And I, I think that's interesting, man. I, You know, I, it was a – it was a. I think he mentioned during his uh, rookie of the year speech, you know, it was a hell of a year for me. <laughs> and, like – I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I can totally see that. And 
again, like I'll say to you guys, if if you guys like this format, let me know. I can keep doing it. Otherwise, we can keep searching around some things, um, you know, keep mixing it up, mixing more 18 members. But I think you guys like it. I got good feedback. Just, again, let me know, you know, if, you, if you're into it, let me know. Um, and I said this was going to be a Marcus Peters-centric podcast, and it is. I mean, this is about him, but I've exhausted my uh, Peters info, so I'm going to give you a little bonus, a little bonus information. Um, a lot of people at the Super Bowl, like I said, man, so here's – I talked to Sean O'Hara, the former Giants center, who's also with NFL Network, I believe. Uh, Sean O'Hara talked to him about Mitch Morse, the second round, the other uh, top pick that she's had in last year's draft who fared well. I mean, Mitch had two concussions, and that was a problem, and he didn't play at the end of the year. But, man, he started 15 games and looked like he's going to be a good player for a long time. And Sean agreed. Sean agreed. I think I think you guys are going to, want to hear what Sean had to say on Mitch Morris and his long-term future. Another good draft pick by John Dorsey. Uh, here's Sean. Check it out. Uh, I was sad that he didn't get to play in the uh, in the playoff game, right? He, yeah. He had a concussion. He reminds me a lot of myself, to be honest with you. Um, Please explain. Well, you know, I was an undrafted lineman coming in, and um, you know, I, I, he's got good hands, good technique. He's, you know, people look at him; they're not wild by him. He doesn't have huge size, or, or you know. On paper, he's not jumping off at you, which is a lot like I was. And he just seems to be like he's he's really smart. He understands football, especially a line plays all about angles. You know, it's all about leverage. Um, he's done a good job of that. Yeah, I think he's got to break into. As far as young centers in this league, though. Real quick, Sean O'Hara saying Mitch Morse reminds him of himself is actually a huge compliment. You're, you're not going to know this. You probably don't know this, but... Sean O'Hara made three Pro Bowls and was second-team All-Pro one year. He's also a Super Bowl champion, and he played for, like, 11 years. So, uh, yeah, that's a really good career. A lot of players would pay to have Sean O'Hara's career. Not a Hall of Fame guy, you know what I mean? But just a good career where you won and you were one of the best in your field. I think any of us strive to do that, and that's what Sean was. So let's continue. Um, and the praise only gets better for Mitch. You know, Sean mentions – and you're, I mean, you're about to hear it, but Sean mentions he puts him up there with some of the better young centers in this league. Here we go. What would you kind of – I'm not asking you to compare him with anybody, but who do you else, who else do you consider to kind of be in his class? Like who, who are the young guys that are kind of in his tier right now? Well, I think Travis Frederick is, is one of the best centers in the league right now. Um, you know, as a center, you you gotta you got to be able to do a lot of different things. And you've got to you've got to be able to multitask. You know, you're telling people what to do. You're calling out signals. You got to snap the ball and block. You're doing all that at the same time. So um, I think Travis Frederick's done a really good job of that. Obviously, Ryan Khalil um, is you know he's kind of an old head now. It's funny because he was a young buck when I was playing. Um, you know, I think. Uh, let's see. I'm so focused on two teams now. I'm trying to get the other you know, the Pounceys, the Pouncey brothers are, 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 you know, really, I look at those guys, they're guards. They're so big, you know, <laughs> and, and, and they're guards playing center, but they're, they've done a really good job, um, both of them, throughout their careers, you know, they, as long as they can stay healthy. Um, I like Eric Wood up in Buffalo. He's done a pretty good job. Alex Mack, um, you know, the guy that, that um, you know, Matt Sunger, you know, moved from Seattle down to New Orleans. I think he's done a pretty good job, too. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, more good stuff. Um, I think I think everybody agrees Mitch Morse has a long-term future as a center in this league. I also asked John Dorsey at the uh, Senior Bowl. You guys know I've been a 
I've been wondering if Zach Fulton should maybe be the center, and then you can move Morse to guard and, you know, really maybe get something out of that because I like what Fulton gives you as a center. And uh, I asked John about that, and he made it pretty clear, like, nah, Morse is their center, even though it's very good that Fulton has a high seat, you know, that Fulton can can play multiple positions. They like that. But, no, nah, Morse is their guy, man. Morse is their guy. So, uh, provided he's over the concussion stuff and he'll be fine from that, Certainly a great draft for the Chiefs um, in 2015, and it's going to be hard for them to replicate that this year. <laughs> I think they picked 28th in the first round, and uh, uh, that's not 18th, and you can still find good players at the end of the first round. But, you know, just when having two – nailing your first two picks, though that's what you should do. That's certainly not a given, and it's hard to imagine them that do, them doing that two years in a row. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I, I got, I got one more thing for you. Uh, I asked, uh, I asked Marshall Falk a little bit about Jamal Charles. Um, we know Jamal Charles has the, you know, torn ACL and I, you know, a lot of people compare Jamal to Marshall Falk. And I, I mean, I get that, but they're, they're different guys. I mean, they're, like Marshall was a more natural receiver than Jamal. Jamal has drops sometimes. Marshall was a more natural guy. I, but I did think it would be interesting to just ask you know, Marshall what he thought about Jamal Charles and whether he'd be able to get back to being what he was at age 29. Uh, now that he's 29 years old after having another ACL surgery, Marshall uh, didn't hold back. And he, I mean, I'll let, I'll let you guys hear it, but he seemed to think, hey, man, like, you know, uh, it, football is a business business, and he wouldn't be surprised um, – if the performance of the young backs might have forced him, forced uh, Jamal out, even though we we know that's not probably not going to happen. I mean, Dorsey basically said that in a conference call with reporters in early January or mid-January. He's like, yeah, we're looking forward to him being back. But the fact that Marshall could even think what you're about to hear is a pretty good indication of how much of a cutthroat business football is. Like, like you guys love football. You know, I love football, but, like, <laughs> that game you watch on Sunday is a business. I don't want you guys to forget that. Everything they do is designed to get money, and it's about making money and being they, – they, it is a cutthroat league. It is a hard league. Just the fact that this could even be a consideration should tell you that. So just listen. Check this out. This is Marshall Falk on Jamal. He's 29, coming off an ACL injury. He's a guy that did a little bit of like, like you. He kind of does everything for the Chiefs. What's it going to be like for him to come back and be full strength? Like, what would it take? Like, you expect him to be what he I, was before? The you know what? I, I, I don't know if he's going to be what he was. You know, Jamal's a track guy. He takes care of his body. He always looks looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Always is in phenomenal shape. Uh, but, you know, that's, unfortunately, as much as we have this conversation, that's not really the conversation. The conversation is why does Kansas City keep Jamal Charles after you saw Spencer Ware and Kendrick West? Now, I... I <laughs> I didn't expect that to go there. Like, that's not what I was – I was like, hey, like, you a former running back. You think he's going to be back. You know, can can he do come back? I didn't expect him to go to this place because I haven't heard that be much of an option. Other than when I talked to Joe Curry – shout out to Joe Corey. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, if the Chiefs wanted to be cold-blooded by it, they could get him to give back a little bit of money because there's like a workout bonus or something. They can get him to forfeit if they want to. Uh, by just playing hardball. But even Joel admitted that that's kind of cold-blooded, let alone 
talking about all right releasing but anyway here we go just keep listening this it is an interesting option even if i don't think it'll happen for, for what reason um i i, I don't <laughs> I, I i can't even see what reason they would continue to pay if they have a way of getting up from under that contract and dispersing money elsewhere to fill some of the gaps that they have um and that's just real talk that's the business of the game i love jamal and I think he could find another home. I think there's a lot left in him. But um, but looking at what went on when he went down mm-hmm. in Kansas City, um, his days are possibly numbered there. Well, here, here's the thing about that, too. It's not like last year when they went to the offseason with like $500,000 in cap room. They got $30 million. And, yeah, they got to bring back Eric. And, yeah, they got to bring back uh, Derek Johnson and Sean Smith, theoretically, and Jay Howard and all those guys. Okay. But, like, they got $30 million in cap room. Like, they don't have to play hardball with Jamal Charles to, to have enough room to do what they want to do. Now, if Jamal is willing to move some money around, hmm, maybe. Maybe he's willing to move some money around to guarantee he'll be around, A, to A, guarantee he'll be around a little bit longer, and B, open up a little more money. I mean, it wouldn't hurt. But they – he. They're not at the point where they have to just make cold-blooded decisions. So I guess what I'm trying to hammer home here is like I think he's fine. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think that's something that they would or even should do. But like maybe it's worth exploring and say, hey, can you give you a little money back to guarantee that you're here this year, next year, that kind of thing. Just move your money around. You're still getting your money, but we're just gonna move it around because 2016, fellas, I've been telling you. This is the year that they need to make a real Super Bowl run. It's been building to this point. Year four for Andy Reid and John Dorsey. You know, they've been building to this straight up. And I think they they won a playoff game. They got that off their back. Like, the regular progression of things, if they're going to do it, man, this is a hell of a time. This is a hell of a time. 2016, I think they should make a run at it. Um, uh, and there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, if they could bring back Sean, that would be amazing for them. Because the Sean Smith-Marcus Peters duo is the best. It's just one of the it's, – it's, there aren't many duos better than that, A. And B, just like as an observer, just too cocky, confident guys who love football. And Sean does love football. Just watching those guys go after it, man, it's just the best. So here's, <laughs> I digress. Here's more Marshall. I, I wanted to hear more of what he had to think about Jamal. Oh, just first of all, they were ready to play for guys who who hadn't had a lot of playing time. Uh, how they stepped up and, um, and 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 I'm gonna say shared the load. Uh, both having the ability to run inside and outside, uh, they both catch the ball pretty well. And and probably the most important thing is uh, in pass protection. They they understood not just who to get, but how to get the guys. Do you think it would help them that? Both Ware and West are like under contract next year for like super cheap. Like this year for super cheap. That's, that's why I'm having this conversation with you and telling you it's not really about his health. Yeah. Jamal, he's gonna be healthy. We saw how he came back from the from the last uh, mm-hmm. uh, ACL tear. I mean, that that's not even a question. Um, the business of the game is gonna take care of itself for him. What do you Appreciate think of, uh, so interesting stuff there from Marshall Falk, dude. Um, <laughs> And when he told me this, I'm like, all right, let me go to like a GM type, like a somebody who would know and give me some thought on it, right? Because this is it's an interesting option, even though Dorse pretty much said that wouldn't happen. But like, I'm like, all right, let me just let me talk to somebody else, and I found somebody else. 
Bill Polian uh, won a Super Bowl with the Colts. I mean, this this guy's the man. Like, Bill's the man. He's a Hall of Fame GM, uh, led the Buffalo Bills dynasty, built that team. Um, you know, Bill Polian's the man. So uh, I went to him about, hey, you know, does, is this something that would make any kind of sense to you? And Bill pretty much shot it down. Like, he didn't think that that's something that you do to a guy like Jamal. And I, I actually agree, but – uh, here you go. I mean, this is it. I want you guys to check this out. Uh, give a listen here. Jamal Charles has his ACL injury. He's 29 years old. And you want to live in games without him. Of course you bring him back as a manageable number, I think. But as a team, I know the business of football. Is it something you got to consider? I mean, just moving on, saving some money? Or do you... Do you, do you just say, okay, this is an icon guy for us. You bet on him. You bet on the player. I don't think with a player of his caliber mm-hmm. you ever think about saving money. Um, the question would be, can only be answered by the doctors and the trainers and the physical therapists. Where is he? What is the prognosis? How do you feel about where we're headed? And then you address the contractual situation accordingly and with a guy like him um uh, you know i don't want to farm andy's land sure, sure. but from afar and andy knows better than anybody andy and john know better than anybody because they're around him every day mm-hmm. um but uh <coughs> at least from afar he looks to, like a good bet to me probably want to listen to bill polian again bill's the man he sharp as they come and he understands Team building, better than almost anybody. He's a Hall of Famer at it. <laughs> he knows it better than anybody, okay? Uh, yeah, like Jamal Charles is the chief. But I just – I wanted to play for you because I thought it was interesting, man. I thought I thought what, you, what Marshall had to say was interesting. And also, it's like an indication of, like, how impressed people were with Spencer Ware and, like, Chuck Henry. I mean, the Chiefs went 11. Was it 11-1 and one without Jamal? That's – that's interesting. I don't think that they're a better team without him, but man, eleven one's good. <laughs> it's up it, now. It's up to the Chiefs to use some of those same elements and move the football and really blend some of the stuff they did without Jamal with the stuff they like to do with Jamal to really make the offense as good as it gets. And I actually have one last like bonus thing for you guys. Uh, I did an interview with Bart Scott that caught some attention uh, about Alex Smith. <laughs> And you know Bart, I tell you how it is. You know he he gives uh, he gives zero f's about telling you how he feels. You know Bart's one of those dudes that you know he uh, you know, he's not gonna back down from his opinion. You know. Can't wait. Thank you, Bart. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know he just uh, that rant was great, and I I wanted to I did ask him about where he thought Alex Smith stacked up with some of the other quarterbacks in the league. And I'm sure you read that story from Super Bowl week, but I just thought I'd play the audio of the interview with Bart Scott so you can hear where this dude was coming from, okay? <laughs> so right, here we go. Uh, it's pretty funny. Check it out. Have you played Alex Smith before in your career? Did you ever face him? Mm-hmm. What did you see in him as a quarterback, and how is he going since then? Well, for me, he, his willingness to, to push the ball down the field later in the season has improved. Um, sometimes when quarterbacks – 
struggle early in their career, sometimes they're scarred. And for a long time, he looked like a guy that was scarred. He, did, he just didn't want to make any mistakes. He didn't want to be the reason to lose the game. You could tell that from the defense. I mean, of course. I mean, whenever you hit a game, game manager, it's not that he doesn't have the physical tools. He doesn't have the arm strength to throw the ball down the field. It's not that he doesn't have the athleticism to buy time. He's a tremendous athletic quarterback, right? But, you know, sometimes when you've been scarred, you saw that a lot with David Carr, a guy who, who got beat up and pummeled early in his career. He didn't trust himself. He didn't trust the process. He didn't trust the pocket. So it was antsy, and he got out of the pocket. With Alex Smith, he's a guy that, that struggled, you know, under the Singletary, struggled before North Turner got to him, and Harbaugh kind of changed his, his, his uh, career around. So he's a guy that still doesn't trust himself and doesn't trust his arm, and I think he should take more risk. Now, you're the perfect guy to ask this. When you're on the defense and you're directing things and you've got an offense that doesn't push the ball downfield, how much easier does that make them to defend? Well, it's easier because you can sit at the sticks. And what happens is even if you give up, even if you, even if you give up a big play, they still have to continue to work the ball down the field. It's going to take an eight to ten play drive, which is a lot harder, right? right. So. You know, the, the advantages are in your favor because now they have to work the field. It's not they don't get any easy scores. I mean, that, just real quick, that's why it's so important for Alex to push to just try to try to push it downfield. Like it just helps open up the offense. Defenses do not respect quarterbacks that don't try downfield. Like you've got to stretch the defense vertically. Defenses are too fast now to be going horizontal all the time with these short passes. They can run you down. Like you got to make them defend the whole field. And that's why that burgeoning that burgeoning uh, connection between Macklin and Smith is so important. The hardest things you've got to do is defend the field vertically, too. You take away that thing, it makes you easier to defend, right? Yeah, absolutely, especially if you have a lead player that can take one guy away and make it difficult. And Macklin or Kelsey, you can shut him down. Now you can sit everybody at the sticks and keep your eyes on, on, on the run game and try and make them one-dimensional. So straight up, as an ex-defensive player, I mean, you had a lot of success in this league. Is this a guy that you think can win a Super Bowl or get to a Super Bowl? I'll tell you what, if I, if I would have had Alex Smith, I would have won two Super Bowls, possibly three. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I went to the AFC like? Championship with Mark Sanchez. Just being honest. Yeah, we're, how about how about we run that back again? Uh, I know, like the, his opinion isn't the end all be all, but for a long time, I had that opinion. Yeah, you can get to a Super Bowl with Alex, and I just it's it's nice to have somebody like Bart Scott kind of kind of believe in that too. So. Let's just run it back one more time. I went to the AFC like? Championship with Mark Sanchez. Just being honest. What do you like about Alex? What are some of the positive things? I mean, he, he, he's becoming, you know, what some people say about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's becoming a very, very astute football player. He knows where to go with the ball. Um, and sometimes he decides to take over the game with his legs. Uh, I think he, you know, it's unfortunate that he lost Jamal Charles, but I think it, it allowed him to grow as a player. I say it all the time. It's addition by subtraction. No, no, no. Um, Benjamin in Carolina forces Cam to play more quarterback. No Graham. No, no Marshawn Lynch forces forces Russell Wilson to play to play the position a little bit different. All right, good stuff there from Bart Scott, man. And I hope uh, I hope you guys appreciated all that. Uh, some good interviews to be had out at the Super Bowl, and I just kind of wanted to bring you a best of edition of the podcast, some of the best stuff I was able to get from there. So I hope you learned a little bit more 
bunch of Chiefs as we head into the silly season known as the Combine and scouting and draft season, which I love, but I know some of you guys aren't as into it. But we're going to dive into all that soon. The next podcast, I'm going to have a good friend, Matt Miller, on. Matt is a featured uh, NFL draft columnist at the Bleacher Report. Matt knows what he's doing. Now, Matt's a smart dude, man, and it's great. Um, I appreciate the fact that I could have him on. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs' uh, draft uh, draft uh, focuses heading into this year and the positions they need to fortify and players that could potentially fit. So I ran through like five or six positions with him real quick that he could – that he thought – or he named players that he thought might fit the Chiefs. That's a must-see. You got to check that out. He also gave me his opinion on how the Chiefs' last three first-round picks, D. Ford, Big Fish, and uh, – Marcus Peters affair. So you're going to want to check that out. Uh, okay. All right. Time to run this thing down. Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys, I couldn't do what I love, which is cover football, um, write stories for a living. So thank you for listening. Again, if you if you like this, if you're in on it, um, let me know. Let me know. I'll make sure I keep bringing them out to you. Uh, please go rate and review us on iTunes. Sports Beat KC. It just helps. Please do it. I'd appreciate it. And for uh, Sam, Vahe, Blair, and Chris Fickett, my producer, shout out to Chris, and the rest of the A-team, man. This is Therese Paler signing off. Uh, see you guys next time, man. Peace. Peace.